everyone and welcome back to Opera Omnia. This is season number three, episode number two. Opera Omnia is the show that picks a director for an entire season, working through their body of work, their filmography, their Opera Omnia, if you will. Each season has a resident guest host that joins me for the entire run. Season three is our longest season thus far and we are dealing with a man who is... Kind of heavyweight in the industry, we're doing David Fincher. Joining me as my resident host for the entire series is my very good friend, Bo Ransdell. How you doing, buddy? Oh, Duncan, you know, you are the the part podcast host that brings me closer to God. <laughs> it might be that I get small small joys when they, when they land in, in editing. And uh, one of my favourites was on the previous episode when it dropped, just to be able to put that, you know, I want to fuck you like an animal, right at the very end. Bo Ransdell, right at the uh-huh. end. And like, yeah, that's how you close it a show, people. My job here is done. Um, we are. That's, that's why you work with professionals, Doug. <laughs> this is why I work with professionals. This is the second movie we're doing, and this is going to be a ton of fun because, one, this movie is completely within the wheelhouse of our expertise it's a horror movie um even though at the time the studio would have you believe it wasn't a horror movie <laughs> nice try right new, new line cinema like nice try new line cinema for trying to confuse us that this is a horror movie you obvious horror studio um fucking <laughs> stage uh, but on top of that as well this is the one that I think for the first time gives us a very clear indication of the man we are going to be dealing with pretty much from now up to present day with David Fincher. Seven's a movie where he gets a lot more creative control and a lot of those moving parts that we could kind of see forming in Alien 3 start to come to fruition. Now, Bo, you know that on this show we will get in a bit depth with this one, and at the end, I will ask you a question. That question is very, very, very simple. It is, what is, up until this point of viewing the movies, your favourite David Fincher movie? And I think the audience out there probably has a good grasp on where we're going to go with this. But the question that I did want to ask you before we get into actually discussing the movie, playing the trailer and stuff, is, did you see Seven when it came out? Because I got, I did a VHS rental of this one, because... Um, I'm trying to think. I would. I don't. I would have been like 14 when this movie came out. So I, I got the VHS a couple of years later, and somehow, and this is the glory of the days of not quite understanding the internet. I didn't know the ending to the movie, which is great. And a, a part of me was when I was thinking about when, well, when I was watching the movie last night and thinking about it. The thing that kind of sprung up to mind is Seven is the exact template of a movie that would be spoiled minutes after someone saw it (laughs) hashtag what's in the box yeah Um, yeah. literally be out there straight away and i I, there's there's a part of me that just revels in that it was a simpler time um what about you did you see is this a cinema for you or was this a rental i don't recall seeing this in the theater Um, and because at the time I wasn't necessarily a Brad Pitt fan because at that point in his career, there wasn't a lot of Brad Pitt stuff that was for me. Yeah. Was and, it when he did before this was Legend of the Fall, I think was before this movie. Right. Which, and I don't uh, really, yeah, that's not a very good movie. <laughs> and, and I was like, he's a pretty boy. He doesn't, he's not really an actor, mm. you know? 
and so I didn't see it in in the theater, but I it it had buzz, right? Like yeah, when well, yeah. when Seven landed, it was one of the biggest movies of the year. Uh, people did talk about the ending, even if they didn't talk specifically about it. They were like, "Fuck the ending of Seven is no fucking joke." Mm-hmm. And so I watched it pretty quick. It, it's weird though because this is one of those movies that feels eponymous. That's like, what do you mean there was a time before Seven existed? That's crazy. <laughs> it's one of the best movies ever made, and. <laughs> like Citizen Kane wasn't made by a dude. Citizen yep. Kane just exists uh, in much the same way that Seven kind of exists for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, like once I saw it, of course, it was like, you know, these were the heady days of home video where it's like, oh, I can watch this anytime. Yeah. Well, then I'm probably going to watch Seven for, I don't know, every day for the next six months. <laughs> and let's see how that, how that handles my psychology. <laughs> Just you, know. you, just you putting things in boxes and then, you know, in a drunken stupor, putting them about the it, place and then try to guess what's inside the box. But I love that. Or just bartending and people being like, you know, uh, can I can I get a beer? Yeah, I guess I could bring you a beer, but what's the point? <laughs> You've returned the video back to Blockbuster, but maybe it's not in the box. <laughs> right. I'm in a trench coat and somehow wet. It's Schrodinger's right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Is, is, has the video been returned or has it not, Mr. Rental Man? Did I rewind? <laughs> um so Duncan, if I may. Yes. Always. Because I, I in, in addition to bringing uh you know, a certain amount of, of, of sex appeal to the show, oh, I like obviously. to bring uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> Look, I know why I'm here. <laughs> um, but in addition to that, I want to bring a little information and, mm-hmm. and something that I don't know that we've talked about explicitly is that David Fincher always wanted to make movies. He like he made music videos and commercials and stuff like that. But he grew up next door to George Lucas. Mm-hmm. He like he he started wanting to make movies when he was eight years old and saw a documentary about the behind the scenes of making Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid mm-hmm. and became enamored with the idea that the movie that you saw was made by people like wrangling horses and stuntmen jumping on trains yeah, and shit craft, like that. The actual craft of cinema. That the how do you make a movie? Yeah, be, like the dude was born to be a filmmaker. So when Alien Three happened, he he said after that experience, he said, "I would rather die from colon cancer than make another movie." And that's a slow death for those out there. Yeah, that, like sometimes cancer kills quickly. Not the colon kind. That that's the one that takes a while. So. Yeah, and it it's slow and painful. Mm. So so. Then he and the setup to seven, and I kind of mentioned this story last episode, but just to recap the the wacky adventures of the seven script, <laughs> seven was written by uh, what's his name, Andrew Kevin Walker, mm-hmm. who had been living in New York, was bummed out all the time because he didn't know anybody and was depressed and he hated the city. <laughs> and so he writes this really mean spirited, terrible script. Not terrible in the, the, the that the script was bad. No, as in it's the just, actions in the movie yeah, and the script right. yeah, are pretty. It, it's seven, right? Yeah. It's seven. And so he writes seven. He and the director originally attached was Jeremy Chechik or Chechik, who did Christmas Vacation. 
And he was like, the fuck is this box shit at the end? Like, I'm not making this movie. Go, go rewrite this. I'm the sheriff's fool guy. I can't do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so he sends Andrew Kevin Walker back to, uh, to, to rewrite the ending, which involved like the serial killer coming to kill Gwyneth Paltrow's character and the detective showing up in the nick of time and oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it was it was terrible. So anyway, Jeremy Chechik leaves the project. The script starts making the rounds again, only with the newer, more upbeat ending. Only by sheer happenstance and mistake, David Fincher gets sent the original script with the box ending. <laughs> and so he reads that and he's like, well, fuck, I'll make this movie. And he contacts uh, uh, DeLuca, Michael DeLuca, who is working at, at New Line, and he says, uh, hey, I want to make this movie. And they're like, oh, we sent you the wrong script. So they send him the other script, and he's like, no, this is shit. <laughs> I want this movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want the one with the box. Like, the box is what people are going to remember from this movie. And uh, Michael DeLuca was like, you know what? You're right. Let's uh, We'll make it, and we're going to make it cheaper. It's only going to be about $30 million. Mm-hmm. But we're going to make it cheaper, and you're, you, David Fincher, will have creative control. The only compromise made from the original script was that at the end of the movie, the producer, Arnold Copelson, who didn't like the box ending because he was an old man <laughs> and just didn't care for it at all and had to be talked into it. Like, they were like... Like it got to the point where Brad Pitt, uh, uh, Morgan Freeman, and David Fincher had to be like, "We're not shooting the other ending. Yeah, we refuse to do it." And so he finally gave in, but he was like, "Look, will you just put some voiceover on the back end that maybe the world isn't total shit?" And they're like, "You know what? No, but we'll meet you halfway." <laughs> and so. <laughs> so the only reason there's that little bit of voiceover at the end is because of the producer Arnold Copelson, but it's still not happy. Oh no, of course not. Like, I mean, granted, they get they get the the whimsy and the the soothing tones of a, of a Morgan Freeman. Um, yeah, but you know, to do that to deliver it. So, I, I mean, if you want bad news delivered to you, like the world is shit, you get Morgan Freeman to do it. <laughs> it's Soften it sounds both a, official and like maybe there's a chance. Yeah, maybe there's a chance. There's yeah, no uh, there was no chance. <laughs> but yeah, that that's the uh, anyway. So that is how we got to David Fincher actually getting for the first time a born filmmaker having control over the finished product. You must. And, you, you think if you live your whole life wanting to be something and have a taste of it, and it is so sour that you you know oh you know this is not what i thought was going to be i don't want to do this again and then you're enticed back in and then that experience of being enticed back in as a script that then the studio says oh we've sent you the wrong one here's it and once again it's you know like no you've meddled with it you've ruined it you've yeah ruined this sucks <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> just fincher just like you're like stuck in hell he's yeah i think the the thing that, like, because the, the trivia behind this movie, there's so much moving parts that had been... I, I love when you hear about casting, specifically. Oh, yeah, this has a weird lineup originally. Yeah, I mean, like, you were talking about originally potentially Pacino um, in the Freeman role and mm-hmm. Denzel Washington in the Pitt role. 
yeah. And, yeah, and I, I was trying to think of that, like, of how that would work. And, I, like, Pacino's too intense. Well, you know, he's too, especially in 90s Pacino. Hooah! You know, he's like fucking, he's too. What's in the box? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's it's too much. The, the John Doe <laughs> is an absentee landlord. <laughs> it's too. You know what I mean? Like the the part of the like Freeman's performance is brilliant because, you know, like even when he's exacerbated, he's still relatively level headed because he has seen that shit. And it's the only thing that gets him through it, and he, he has to be he has to be that way to survive. And Pitt's the manic kind of hot-headed, cock of the walk, you know, shoot first, ask questions later, cop because he has none of the experience. He do, he doesn't understand that, you know, this city's gonna chew you up and spit you out. Um you know, it's it's gonna sleep with you, it's gonna take you out for a fish dinner, um, and never call you back. He's one of the best descriptions of someone I ever heard. He's he's got a million dollar heart and a nickel head. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 not designed for it. You know what I mean? He's, I mean, yeah, he's, he's probably, all wrong for the job. He's probably on some level would make a good beat cop. You know what I mean? But he'd be a great football coach. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he'd be so much fun, and he'd be he'd work with the players, yeah. and uh, he's he's just not ready to face the grim reality yeah. of what this city has to throw at him. Yeah, plus at the same time, you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with a serial killer who, and we're going to get into this, this is just a preamble, a serial killer who is clearly like psychotic, but at the same time incredibly intelligent. <laughs> like, right. So you you are, like, it's you're you're playing like one. You're playing in in waters that you clearly are not you know suitable for playing in. But the second thing is you you know you're you're up against you are a tiny tiny little fish, and this is a shark, um, and the shark knows where all the exits are. Uh, it's literally what he and I I I try to think of the casting, the change in the casting of that one, and it, to me it just wouldn't work. But then you have on top of that as well the, the great quote that Fincher apparently said to to Pitt and Spacey was, you know, that this is the movie that you won't be remembered for, but you will be proud of. And it yeah. couldn't be... It couldn't, I, I, on some level, I don't think he knew how about seventh largest grossing movie of that year, which mm-hmm. is nuts. Oscar <laughs> nominated. Oscar yes. nominated seven. Yes. Yeah, for editing, I think. Yeah, it's, it's incredible how much I think this from the point of view of I imagine everyone involved with it this movie overachieved uh, you know what I mean this is absolutely yeah, like New Line Cinema from their point of view this was their I don't, going from what IMDB says this was their first quote unquote A-list movie they'd released and this is the studio that basically made its money off Freddy Krueger movies so you know yeah. what I mean? so this is their first well, this is their first time at the big table and it's his seventh largest grossing movie. It, it, it's a cult, like, to me, any performance I've seen, and I've seen Kevin... Uh, I have a blank to his name. Kevin, Kevin Spacey. Spacey. I was say, right, we've all tried to scrub his name yeah. from our memory collectively. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, like, but like, in every role I've seen him since seeing Seven, regardless if it is a kind of K-Pax docile sort of... Alien um, or American Beauty. I look at him 
always as oh he's a sinister serial killer you know what I mean and that's yeah. just that's always been there for me because of the impression of the what five minute screen time he has in this movie it's it, like yeah it's nothing. next to nothing yeah <laughs> so, and like so like you know like to, to say that you you know like from his perspective maybe he's trying to get them on listen you're gonna be really proud of this movie when it comes out and maybe not of the i think this changes the trajectory of roles given to brad pitt after this which is why he accepted the absolutely. role absolutely but you once again this and fight club both venture movies kind of put him as this well no he can play the the hard man and the unhinged look how versatile he is as an actor i don't think you get brad pitt in once upon a time in hollywood had he not done seven i just don't see it charting out where mm-hmm. you see You're that range right. and he, he was legitimately in 2019 when Once Upon a Time in Hollywood came out, he also had the movie, which I'm Ad Astor, uh, the sci-fi movie. And I said at the time, my two favourite performances in, you know, like non-genre movies that year were both Brad Pitt. Like, in terms of, like, male performances in both those movies, I thought it was incredible because he had that range. Imagine he had to go through the reconnaissance you know, like, like the, the pre-reconnaissance of doing rom-coms for a decade before you start doing something edgy. Yeah, it, like if this hadn't landed, that's what would have happened. He would have been, he would have been the rom-com guy. He would have been Gerard Butler. Yeah, essentially, yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing to think of. Morgan Freeman, I mean, by this point, Shawshank Redemption had come out, so he was calling his shots. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's, he's yeah, a, but like Gwyneth Paltrow was on the the front end of her career. Yeah, and this movie really launched her as well. Yeah, I always get. Um, the, have you ever heard the Gwyneth Paltrow interview? I have. It's unfortunate. Yeah, I always get the impression that she's not aware that she makes movies and or that she should ever see them once she's done them. And as as I, I, she's a she's a fine actress when she's in a movie. But I always get that kind of weird feeling that she's a little bit embarrassed about how she's, you know, like <laughs> like what she's doing, um, which I think is very unfortunate because she's really good in this as well. Um, so yeah, like, yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're going to spoil that. We're going to upturn the basket here. Everything's going to be fucked. But what we need to do is we need to put a pin in this conversation and tell the people that what you're going to hear right now is the trailer for this movie. When we return, we are getting, oh, so sexy and so deep into the world of Seven. Um, and yeah, answering that question, which I mean, feels. Do we need to? We do need to ask it, Duncan. Yes, you're talking to yourself now, just like the killer in a movie. Uh, right, we're taking ah, a short, short break. The podcast is calling from inside the house. <laughs> What's on the app? Um, right, uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're taking a break. When we come back, we're discussing Seven right after this. Do you like what you do for a living? These things you see. You have to wear blinders sometimes. Most times. Detective William Somerset is looking for a way out. You're retiring. Six more days and you're all the way gone. So how long have you lived here? Too long. Detective David Mills is looking for a way in. We'll be spending every waking hour together from now until the time I leave. I'll show you who your friends and enemies are. Look, I'm going to come inside five years. Not here. Now, we have ourselves a homicide. They're caught in a game. No fingerprints and no witnesses of any kind. Nope. About the only thing we know about that guy right now is he's totally insane. 
where the price of sin is death. There are seven deadly sins. Gluttony. You're going to come take a look at this. Greed. No one touches anything. Sloth, wrath, pride, lust, and envy. Seven. You can expect five more of these. Body was found on Tuesday morning. I hate this city. We're going to get who did this. This will be the very definition of swift justice. There are two more bodies, two more victims. This guy is methodical, exacting, and worst of all, patient. He's laughing at us. He had a gun. He's two murders away from completing his masterpiece. Let's finish it. Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, Gwyneth Paltrow. Have you ever seen anything like this? No. Seven. Welcome back, ladies and gents. So you've just heard the trailer for Seven. This is movie number two in the Fincher filmography. This is your second movie, Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. Kind of his first because yeah. it, well, you know, this is the, the other one. <laughs> well, and not just that, it's not really the movie he directed and yeah. it, it was cut up and all that stuff. So this is the first time you ever saw a real honest-to-goodness David Fincher movie. Movie, yeah. And it's, it's, it's we will chart a lot of what people will see in this movie throughout the remainder of his career um so yeah seven 1995 this movie came out dear god almighty this is like mere spitting distance from being a 30 year old movie <laughs> wow that's hard to believe but yeah Time, You Cruel Mistress, uh, directed by David Fincher, like both said, written by Andrew Kevin Walker, movie, um, star Morgan Freeman, Brad Pitt, Kevin Spacey, Andrew Kevin Walker, who is in the movie, uh, Daniel Zacapa, Gwyneth Paltrow, John Cass- Cassini, uh, Bob Mack, who is the dude that I really want to talk about, who has the name that I can never pronounce, hey baby fucker! <laughs> Uh, Leland Orser. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, Any funny Ivy? The most horrific thing I've... Like, someone sit down and watch that and tell me this isn't a horror movie. Like... Fincher himself, like I, you, you've probably seen him use this quote before. It was like I wanted people to think that they were watching a thriller, yeah, until the, the last act when they were like, "Oh no, it's the fucking Exorcist." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I told Trojan Horse of a movie. I mean, David Fincher is a mean motherfucker and I love him. I love him for it. Uh, Does that go back to the old Hitchcock quote, the audience must suffer? And I'm like, yes. Right. Yes, the audience must suffer. Yes. (laughs) Um, The the synopsis for this one, two detectives, a rookie and a veteran, hunt a serial killer who uses the seven deadly sins as his motives so yeah the, the setup we've kind of touched on it in the preamble the setup for this is brad pitt fresh face cop uh, getting paired and partnered up with morgan freeman who is the it, it, i mean about to retire he is He's the, the, too the old stereotypical <laughs> yeah he is officially too old for this shit he yes. is retired like he is the cop in most buddy cop movies who would die in the like second scene yeah, oh, totally. And um, 
once again, that's one of the reasons I love the ending. Um, you know, Freeman is he's been he's been chewed up and spat out by this city. Lives alone. You know, he's like it's kind of keeps himself to himself. Um, his his hobby is throwing a switchblade at a dartboard. Yep. that's what he does on a Saturday night. And I'll tell you right now, if you if you give me a a relatively moderately priced bottle of whiskey, a knife and a board, I would spend my Saturday night doing that as well. Some smooth jazz in the background. I'm a happy camper, Bo. I can Let me shout out real quick the production <laughs> design of this film. Because when they show that dartboard, you only see it briefly a couple of times. Mm-hmm. The, the production design part of it, though, is all the places around the dartboard... <laughs> Where he's missed the dartboard entirely, either drunken, drunkenly, angrily, or sloppily. Well, someone has had to have spent... Like, this is the thing about this. Once again, the, the Fincher thing that we're going to come back to is the level of detail that this guy goes into making things authentic. Right? The books in this movie, like the John Doe Library... Yeah. Someone... That's handmade. So someone did that. And it apparently cost $15,000... And several months. <laughs> so It's cool, though. That is... I, I see attention to detail. This is what I mean. I, I think there is a... Like, when you're afforded the opportunity to have that money to do these things and afforded the, the time to craft that, it's, the, it's one of the reasons he looks up to Ridley Scott so much. When you watch Alien, that ship looks lived in. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. It looks lived in. Those people act like they... Wait one second have been on a ship together before. These things where, you know, everything has to feel organic or, I mean, there's a slight disconnect. Something's going to, you know, it's just not going to sit well with you when you watch it. But yeah, this is, this is the, someone sat with a knife and chipped away at that for probably hours, Bo. Um, So it looked like this is what he'd been doing for a while. And I appreciate that. Like you say, it's on the screen, it's a blink and you miss it, but... I'm looking at that, and I believe that you know you get you can you can tell so much of this guy's life from that three four second pan over that board. All right, he does this. You know, what I mean, this isn't like a yeah. you know like and that to me stands it stands out. It really really does. It's like a it's a, not a lost craft, but it's a craft that I feel is overlooked very easy in modern filmmaking. Is that idea of you know, things need to look right. You know, things need to... If we're going to put this out, we're going to set this up, or we're going to lean into the fact that this character, you know, is he lives alone. Like, this is the only way he can let off steam from the awful shit he has to see, you know, every day in the job, and there's no respite for it at all, because look at this fucking city. All it does is rain. Um, it's miserable as sin. You know, and I, I, I need that. And I think there's... You're right. Like to that point, I I think kind of writ large, it's the idea that, uh, you know, sometimes you don't notice when something is wrong, but your brain does. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and what Fincher does brilliantly, like you were pointing out there is that sort of writ large in all, all his movies, there is an attention to detail so that the viewer is never even subconsciously taken out of the film. Yeah. And that's also kind of part of the cruelty is like when you get sucked in the way you do to this movie and and only to lead to the conclusion that awaits you in seven. Mm -hmm. It's it's a mean, mean movie. Yeah, (laughs) 
<laughs> and and that's what I kind of respect about. It. But I, I I like that you're kind of turning that Morgan Freeman character kind of on his head mm-hmm. at at the beginning when like because the way it starts is uh you know Morgan Freeman of course is about to retire. Uh, Brad Pitt is playing Detective Mills. Mills. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, Mil, uh, his new partner who as we said is this you know kind of young naive super enthusiastic gung-ho ready to save the world kind of character and they go to a crime scene mm. where uh there's this enormous fat guy <laughs> like dumped over in a bowl of his food yeah <laughs> and and so uh, at first everybody's like ah this you know this fat fuck just had a heart attack and died no mystery here and then it's morgan freeman who's like yeah did he do it bound yeah and you know <laughs> sorry i will try not to do as much morgan freeman but it, he is so good at this um but and and that's the moment where you're like oh this is a serial killer movie yeah. this is you know, we are we are on the hunt with a serial killer. But what I like is immediately Morgan Freeman is like, I want no part of this. Yeah, because he knows yeah. in he yeah. this is not his first time to the barbecue bowl. Also, he's just about to retire. This ain't like look look at the savagery of this. This setup. Right, but your all his, yeah, all his senses are tingling right now and he's like that. This is a long case, and I'll tell you right now, no good will come of it. And but it's just the protagonist of your movie, Duncan. Yeah, being like, yeah, you know what? That sounds like it's going to be a lot of fucking work. Yeah, no, <laughs> that sounds terrible. I have no interest in being a hero to anyone here. Yeah, I want nothing. He's nothing just... to prove, and he doesn't want. I, I love that about him. Like the thing yeah. is, as well, like, he's he's the like the their approaches to and we get it in great clips in here just their approaches to crime solving in general are just completely different like like you said like freeman within you know seconds of being in this crime scene has picked up on details that clearly have been overlooked because of the horrific scene in front of them and that that just comes with time that just comes with time and patience and and you know just generally you, you get that feeling that Morgan Freeman could have probably done something. You know, his character could have probably been something more than a cop. You know what I mean? He's, he's like, he's maybe a little bit too smart for the job. And the first sign of how smart he is is that I don't want to, I don't want any part of this. <laughs> it's, it's like, he's like, he's, we said in horror movies before, um, where like someone's like that. Yeah, it's like this, usually the, the Spanish maid in a movie's like that. Nope, I don't want any part of this haunted house. And she leaves and you're like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Uh-huh. She knows. <laughs> she knows. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Immediate. Yeah. Morgan Freeman's. This house is haunted as hell. <laughs> I'm afraid I'm gonna have to leave it. He goes in. He goes in the door. And he hears "Get out!" And he's like, "Yep." It's that time, well, guys. Time to go. <laughs> and who? Um, but yeah, thank like, you for your time. We will not be taking this house. There's also, there's a flip side as well. Like we're talking about. Pitt's enthusiastic, you know. He's yeah. he's got all he's you know he's gonna make a difference, Bo. It's and it, you know I know it's ahead a little bit, but it, again, this is such a movie of little moments. Mm-hmm. But it's like him with his dogs of just rolling around with them like a big dope. Yeah, and it's it's wonderful, and it shows how like he's good hearted and he's you know he's very affectionate and and that kind of thing. And that's why the the city is gonna fucking <laughs> use him hard. Um, <laughs> he showed. 
a glimmer of like life and enthusiasm and the city was like fuck you no we can round that edge off quick <laughs> um <laughs> but but it is that kind of thing where he is he is just this bull in a china shop yeah. kind of approach um and so yeah and and you know there's that great scene of you know this is gluttony that you can expect you know six more of these yeah. and <laughs> the whole scene where you know morgan freeman is counting them off and all that and and it shows what a truly like brilliant detective he is mm -hmm. but it is all in service to say you know i'm afraid i'm gonna have to peace out yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> here is the mind dump right this is everything that you would need to ask me for if i was here so i'm giving you these and I'm yeah. now leaving. So you like when you get there, when you feel like you need to ask that question, look at the folder. Don't call Somerset. Look at the folder. Right. It's not Somerset. <laughs> it's like literally here, here. This is this is your burden now. Um, yeah, it's training your temp before you go on vacation. Where you're like, look, all the passwords are on this post-it yeah. now. <laughs> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be leaving Sunday afternoon. Mm -hmm. If you need something, call me on Saturday. Yeah. Because after Sunday, you will not be able to reach me until at least the following Saturday. Yeah, I will be up to my tits and mojitos in the Caribbean. Yes. So that ain't happening after this date. So you have. I understand you that you have a series of murders ahead of you, and I'm going to be Ted cruising it. Uh, <laughs> Unlike Ted Cruz, I'm not going to make a fake excuse and come back a day and a half later. <laughs> right. No, I'm gonna own it. I'm no. I, I'm gonna be this, there. <laughs> this is a disaster. I am leaving on purpose because it's terrible. Yeah, I, I, like I want. I want my holiday experience to sound like an Agatha Christie novel. Somerset in Cancun. That is the name of. Oh. The, <laughs> I would watch that. And I would yeah, read that a hundred percent. But yeah, he is. So that you, you have that, and like we see, we have the the you know the polar opposite. Um, with with Mills as a character who has the he has the beautiful wife he has like all the career prospects ahead of him has like everything that life could give him joy and happiness for if he wasn't in this city. You yeah. may ask himself, <laughs> how did I get this beautiful wife? <laughs> he may ask himself, my God, what's in that box? <laughs> surprise um, so, so, you, so, you, so you have those things so against this backdrop um, sadly Somerset doesn't quite get what he wants but um, against this backdrop we have this series of killings and Bose alluded to and they are you know, based on the seven deadly sins which once again is a very 90s thing I love the 90s and I think we spoke about this before I would there is a documentary screaming to be made out there where people talk about the post-satanic panic influence in movies specifically in the 90s because there is a ton of thrillers and horrors where we are just straight up it's the devil you know it's the devil or it's the bible or it's someone acting on behalf of the devil or someone that's read the bible or it's just it's it is saturated with these movies um, and they're all thrillers and it's great uh, but they're, they're all in there so, and this feels like one of the, the kind of heavier hitters for sure certainly over movies like First Power um, or even Fallen to an extent uh, where we're using oh, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. we're using all this stuff Voodoo as well you know it's kind of coming 
in the free towards the end of the eighties, but certainly continued in the nineties. And this is one of the heavier hitters of it. But it's a it's a simple concept. It's nice. It's clean. You know what I mean? We're going to call our movie Seven because Seven Deadly Sins. That's how it links back. We have seven deaths, and then we have the opportunity to craft some of the gnarliest reveals of of what the serial killer has done. And when you start to work out specifically, this is when you know you're fucked, right, as a detective, right? When you find the guy on the bed and you find out how long he's been there and the fact that he's been getting taken care of, and I use that not in the way that you think I mean that, listener. He's been getting taken... Like, the way the mob says, I want this guy taken care of, doesn't mean you take him a bowl of chicken soup, right? Um, it's a pair of concrete slippers. Uh, this guy has been, like, <laughs> suspended on, on the, the verge of death for a long fucking time. And at this point, Bo, this is when you should be... Like, the alarm bell should be going off going, right, this isn't just a psychopath. He is clearly a psychopath, but at the same time, this is a very heavily educated man, and he ain't he ain't fucking around. We're you know we're not going to catch this. I mean that's the essential what we get later on. We're not going to catch this guy unless he wants us to. And I would be wary if he wants us to. <laughs> like, right. Uh, you know, just the, the full level of it. You start with sloth, which is a particularly. Uh, gruesome looking one the great bit of trivia on this one uh, was that because <laughs> Fincher felt so guilty about the all the prosthetics that made the dude fat that he actually made the guy hung as well so gave him big old Johnson bow sure <laughs> god bless him yeah because <laughs> we can't look, tiny peen on that guy we need to bazooka up <laughs> it didn't look uh, didn't look all that big to me but that's <laughs> depends what size of telly you're using but, um so but know. yeah right and and you know it's weird because at at the heart of things seven is really just a serial killer detectives chasing a serial killer kind of movie it 100% it's just is. It's a, it's, it has noir in its blood yeah but it's also like the platonic ideal of that mm-hmm. of like, well, if you're going to make one of these, here's how every single frame of it is compelling. Yes. Because like it drips with that noir atmosphere. Like it's always raining, always raining. And I, lo- I love the, the production, uh, the production rumor on the reason it was always raining is where they were shooting. They couldn't predict when it would rain or not. So they just made it rain all the time. So, yeah, right. And so I like that. It's, it's simple. It, it's, it works. And it's perfect. And, and there's a, a bit about how uh, Fincher had the film developed without de- like removing the silver mm-hmm. or something from the stock so that the blacks were even deeper. Yeah. And like, it's that kind of shit where it's like, oh, this was again, it's the ideal of this kind of movie where every single moment is crafted in a way to uh, to engage you mm-hmm. because you're along for this ride. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, this is one of the smartest serial killers we've ever seen in a movie. And as you are, uh, uh, you know, as a viewer are experiencing this, you're also like, you know what? You know, in, in most movies, I know what's going to happen. 
and these clever detectives are gonna like mills is gonna learn a little bit from morgan freeman's character and they're gonna solve this crime and catch this killer before he can you know uh, finish the cycle yeah they're gonna save the day because right that's what happens it doesn't happen interestingly enough doesn't happen in a lot of noir movies <laughs> well not satisfying there's usually a trail of death uh, and despair in noir uh, which i kind of that's one of the reasons i've always kind of been gravid like like no one's walking out of chinatown happy you know what i mean <laughs> right yeah like the guy uh in uh sunset boulevard starts with well here i am dead in the pool yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> let me let's work backward from that how did I get here? Um, you may be asking yourself, how did I end up here? <laughs> it is, well, it, so it does, it, 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 it goes out, it's, like, it's, it's just, in parts, a clever script, but in another part, it's just really good filmmaking that you, you, you know that, you know that this movie is going to play to an audience that generally doesn't go and see movies like this either because of the names attached to the project, so what better way to bring them in and have their expert ta- expectations subverted because you have deliberately once again through the script, but specifically in the in the movie, you go out your way to play with those, toy with them. It's like going back to what you said about, you know, they think they're watching a thriller and ultimately the end is the exorcist. Is 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 that is that great idea of letting the audience fill in the audience to an extent by you've seen this before. You know you've seen it before. This is why you came here, because you like the comfort of seeing things you've seen before it's why people sit down and watch the same things on netflix over and over again after spending 45 minutes trying to find something new is i could take a chance on this new thing or i could watch this comfort movie even if it is a thriller about a serial killer i could watch this comfort movie because i know it's going to deliver exactly what i want because i liked it when i watched it so i don't have to be worried about being surprised about something or the ending lets me down um there's a, there's a great there's great levels once again a movie I think that's aided from the fact that you know you couldn't you couldn't instantly tweet about it when it was like when you'd seen it on the flip side of that it really it really goes out its way to drive home the point of not only because the, the most of the movies in in the dark uh, it's most of it's raining <laughs> you know, it's, it's grim already but the crimes themselves are like the steroid injected version of just yeah. how bad Somerset says, you know, this is going to be. Um, and I, I think we should, we should cover this one because it's one of, we're going to come back to the guy in the bed, but um, the Leland Orser one, which is lust. Oh. Um, which you don't, it, it's the one you don't actually see. Yes. You just, you see the implement and you hear what he says about it. And it is one of the most, Horrific things, I think, ever captured. Like Leland also would say that he starved himself of sleep for days, um, and basically would do like in between takes, would hyperventilate, would breathe really, really quick, sharp and sharp breaths in order to give him that manic energy on screen. And by God, does it fucking work? Um, it's, oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's an scene. It's an incredible scene. It's like he put the gun in my mouth. Oh God, he put the gun in my mouth. I mean, it's horrific. Basically, he goes to a. Right, we we don't have these things in my country, because it's an S and M club. <laughs> I don't sure know why exist. you don't have them in your. Country I, I'm sure they exist, but could you imagine a Scottish S and M club? 
It's well, it, like it, there's too many grudges in Scotland for I think <laughs> there's no safe SNM words. to work properly. Yeah, there's no safe words. It's just punches. And fuck you. And <laughs> still try to work at what the or still try to work at what the the sexual fetish of headbutting someone is. But apparently, <laughs> right, it happens yeah. a lot. Um, but Pedophilia. Yeah. <laughs> like goes um, to this. Like essentially. It has to get a. It's a dildo, a strap-on dildo, but it's not a dildo. It's a giant fucking. It's like it's like a the sort of knife that Arnold Schwarzenegger has in Predator. <laughs> like, like yeah, a, it's like a big chrome hook. Yeah, because the idea the it's the down hook that freaks me out. Because it's, it's horrible. Like, yeah, right. It, it's it's not just hey, this is gonna mess somebody's insides up when you insert it it's when you pull out that it's just gonna drag their intestines out along with it yeah and it's right it's oh my god duncan so he knows like that that, that's when you put yourself into the mindset of the character he knows that if he doesn't do this he's dead but if he does this he's killing someone and it's it's and and not in a a, not in a a quick comfortable way bro um and yeah, so like, but it's it's all just done through interaction. I love that. I love that as a choice because there are like, if this movie was made in two thousand and five, we would have the torture porn version of this where we would have actually seen the fuck scene. Um, and to me, I don't want to see that scene. <laughs> like, uh, you can call right. me whatever you want. I don't want to see that scene. I just want to see the broken, crippled, hobbled mess of Leland Osser trying to contextualize one what he's done two why he should not be fit, like, why he shouldn't be held responsible for it but three you know for that's it he will never he will never not only be the same again but that man is that man is is gone he's gone he is he is fucking oh he's fucked yeah he's thomas jane at the end of the mist he's you know like like he is yeah, like, just, <laughs> danny isn't home mrs torrance like, like he is done <laughs> Yeah, he's gone. He's gone, and so, like in the case of this one, you know, it's it's it's, it's a great kind of. It takes it in a different direction, gives you a different facet of how we're discovering these deaths. Because once again, there's a really easy way of making this movie, which is just it's saw, isn't it? It's just high con, high conceptual deaths being shown to yes. people in the police investigating it, and you know, there's no way saw was not inspired by seven i'm just saying like that to me feels like an obvious it's the only reason i can think of for that horrible green wash is they saw a couple of scenes in seven and was like that's a cool effect let's make our whole movie that effect um what if that but everything yes (laughs) but you 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 have that right let's talk about the guy in the bed um that's uh, the thing that scared the shit out of me the most like the leland orso thing is is terrifying yeah the dude in the bed is the thing that was like, oh, this is a horror movie. Okay. Yeah, so we, we, we come across this room. Um, there are... The, your first warning sign should be that there's all those car air freshener things hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> As in to disguise the smell of something, boy. But it's, it's the again, the production design of this thing where it's at varying lengths that it yeah. hangs from the ceiling. So it's this weird, like, tapestry... Of of pine scented mm. air fresheners hanging from the ceiling that you're like, oh fuck, yeah. none of this is gonna end well. <laughs> this is 
John Doe is at it again. John Doe's got the upper hand. He's got the upper hand. Like, uh, get the fuck out of that room. And so, yes, this um, this guy is on the bed. And not only is he on the bed, but we get this, like, we get a record of, like, a Polaroid photos record of him through various different, like, I always forget this one. So th- this guy is, is he Greed? He, uh, no, I, it's, mm, I'll have to look it up. Yeah, it, I, I always get it wrong. I always get, whenever I see it, I'd like, and I'd, like, my head is screwed. It's maybe gl- Sloth, maybe? Maybe. Um, <laughs> Well, it I'll, makes I'll sense. Look he's it on up. the bed, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll look yeah. it up. But but the thing that is terrifying is like the the idea is he was a drug addict mm. that John Doe has uh, kept confined, fed yep. drugs, yep, and and kept just enough like IV based nourishment uh to to keep him alive for a while yeah he's on the uh, he's at the door of death he just doesn't have the key yeah and there's that moment man like after they like there's the scare scene where they all think he's dead mm-hmm. and they like the it's I, john c mcginley i think who's like real close to oh he whispers him he whispers to him as well and then you get the <laughs> oh yeah because he's like you know i hope man. it's hot in hell like whatever he says yeah. uh something real shitty to to the dead guy presumably yeah. dead guy yeah <laughs> and then right that <gasps> and yeah. everybody's like the fuck <laughs> everybody like everybody loses their shit collectively but like morgan freeman's like get out get out get an emp like everybody's just like oh fuck we had no idea like that guy ought to be dead and and when when they like do the follow up later and they're talking to the doctor and they're like hey can we you know maybe get a word with him and he's like the fuck what yeah. no he's his brain's pudding man there's not there's that's yeah. not a person mm. that's a it's a sack of meat yeah have you seen him <laughs> yeah like did you you were there right when, like, you saw that right because that's all he does. Just over and over. Ah, ah. <laughs> it is, it's horrific, but once again, like the set design, uh, the lighting, just the concept, the idea of like the the you know the fact that he's he's meticulously documented this process, which I mean, is, is that to me once again is fucking terrifying because there is almost this kind of scientific disconnect almost like a you know you had documentarians have to specifically wildlife documentarians have to disassociate themselves so they're they're looking at the the beautiful little meerkat and they're looking at the you know hyena i'm just picking two animals that probably don't live in the same ecosystem the hyenas <laughs> right behind them and yeah. what you want to do is go get get out you want to do the Christa, christopher christopher no it's christopher lloyd not christopher Blum. you want to do the go you know, like you desperately want to scream to the meerkat, but you can't because you have to be, you have to be um, essentially observing and documenting. And this is what this guy is doing. He's observed and documented the emaciated body of this guy whilst keeping him just enough alive so he can endure the pain of what th- this punishment is wrought upon him. Um, and it's, it's, it's fucking horrific. I mean, it really, really, really is. And it's one of those ones where, like, the 90s is a weird decade. It really, really is specifically for cinema. And there's a lot of, a lot of filmmakers came up through the 90s that really started kind of making their mark 
and and darker content and in a lot of respects a movie like Silence of the Lambs definitely opens the door to that so when we really start getting the kind of serial killer as a concept in movies that we can start using um, and that you know they're kind of high concept serial killers so they're not just like they're killing prostitutes or something it's you know there's a reason behind it there's a method there's a you know method to the madness and whatnot and it's it's on this one where like to me i think this is where this movie kind of levels up because there is a there's a high intellect with it but there is at the same time a, a punishment which is so fucking cruel. Now, the interesting thing about this is, me and you, currently Bo, are uh, doing Duncan and Bo Come Correct, right? And on our Duncan and Bo Come Correct show, which everyone should check out on Legion Podcast, uh, we are currently working our way through season one of Slasher, a TV show, um, in which a man dressed like a giant black condom is Uh killing people in a small town in the style of the seven deadly sins, right? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Um, and I'm just going to say... Who did it better? Who wore it best? I, I, I'm just going to say, like, you are you are playing in Seven's Ocean here with your paddling pool. Because this movie's done it, and it's done it, but it's like anyone that wants to make a movie about d- demonic possession, you want to sit them down and say, you have seen The Exorcist, right? <laughs> like, you know The Exorcist exists? Right. You've seen the best one of all time, right? Like, like, that's the bar. Yeah, that's the bar. So, like, unless you really are coming from this from a completely different angle that you think is really going to inspire that, like, I- I'm just going to say don't. Um, because you're instantly going to be compared to that. And, that you know, that show, I- I'm assuming what they had out of that as yeah but did their killer wear a giant black condom i think not slasher one seven zero um mm-hmm. which makes no sense because this movie just feels like it is weirdly ahead of its time but it's very much a product of its time like because like i said the 90s rough fucking decade for for movie you natural born killers like towards the start of the decade basically getting censors up in arms um about the content and the, the hyper violence, you are kind of you've run through the PMRC situation. There's a parental advisor everywhere. Um, by the end of this decade, you're going to have one of the most horrific high school shootings. Um, it's just a, it's a fucking a brutal decade, and Seven is centered right in the middle of that uh, with yeah. a very strong message about about how bleak life is. <laughs> um, I think this, the, 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 like I say, the punishment of what this character goes through is so insanely over the top, like they all are. Um, that it, I mean, I think that's why it sticks with you. Like the deaths in this movie, like most movies, it's like one or two deaths will stick with you. No, you remember every death in this movie, like meticulously. Um, yeah. Like if I try and if I ask you right now, name three of the deaths in Saw Two. Can you actually do it? And I bet you've seen Saw Two more than once. I I think I can, Duncan, and yeah. I don't. I'm not proud of that. I am unhappy with you for destroying my argument right now. Because it's <laughs> it's it's the needles, it's the yeah. gun through the eye hole. Yeah, and, and it's, then it's the hand in the the box, the box trap. Yeah, yeah. I, I had the same three. Fuck. Um, <laughs> shit. Right, there's a, there's a really good example of that. So like other movies where there's a lot of death, you can't always picture. Not everything saw two. Yeah, not everything saw two, but the the majesty of saw two. Um, 
Son I'm so a, glad we could bitch. mention Saw 2 and 7 in the same <laughs> like conversation. Like I say, without 7, you do not get Saw. You do I, not yes. get it. Like, there's, there's a clear, to me, there is a clear charted line from, look at this movie, look at what we've done to our victims, and now Hollywood, there you go. Right, that this is how this yeah. how you do a thriller. Um, go ahead, you you have a you have a crack at, it, and you get a ton of movies after this where it's so fucking vicious. Um, and we get more vicious, and then we get a whole like subgenre dedicated to how vicious we can make things. Um, so it's, it's definitely there, you know. There's definitely that through line, but you can, well, you, can you can make them all out, which I appreciate because I think. That's what once again one of its its staying powers as you remember how you felt the first time watching this back and being progressively more appalled and horrified by what was happening because that opening gambit is there's a guy's stomach that has burst open everywhere like ravioli which you're never going to look at the same way again um, and it's all there on that table look how gross that is by the way that is the mild appetizer at the start of this massive fucking meal. Um, and it gets progressively more horrific. But the interesting thing about Seven and and what makes it different from like a Saw movie or mm. something and and both more effective and more sadistic, I would argue. I would agree, yeah. Would is agree. that underneath this, you have this story about, uh, you know, Morgan Freeman, Somerset becoming kind of friends with mills and and particularly with his wife like they have a real relationship they like each other yeah you also kind of get that feeling that it's weird like she's (laughs) don't want to become like entertainment weekly but she's too good for him well Yes, she is, but but also they're both kind of that corn fre- corn they fed. Are, they are like the world golden. is a nice place. Look after your neighbor, and your neighbor will look after right. you, Bo. Yeah, and you know, like uh, there's the gag about hey, we we rented this apartment. We like we never understood why we could only visit it for ten minutes at a time, mm-hmm. and it turns out they're by an L train, so that the apartment vibrates about every 20 minutes or so and there's that great moment where it happens Mm -hmm. over at dinner and they all have this big laugh about you know oh shit you've got the amazing vibrating apartment or whatever somerset calls it (laughs) and um, let's set a laugh at the table that's amazing (laughs) yeah and and brad pitt has a great moment too where he looks at gwyneth paltrow he's like i don't know why you're laughing yeah you know like, <laughs> but but it's again the thing that made, makes it sadistic is we we have this moment with these characters mm. that sort of it's almost like the indianapolis speech in jaws where we slow down mm-hmm. we have this character moment where we cement like oh all of these people belong together yeah it's a hugely important part of the movie if this isn't yes. here this the ending doesn't work a- absolutely and you know, it's the same we see Brad Pitt playing with the dogs. It's just all this humanizing stuff. And like I said, I think it, it, it you know, there's this joke earlier in the movie where Gwyneth Paltrow calls Brad Pitt at work mm-hmm. and he has to hand the phone to Somerset. <laughs> she wants to talk to you. And when she invites him to dinner. And so there's this real connection that Gwyneth Paltrow and, and Morgan Freeman share in this movie. And... Uh, and she even like there's that scene between just the two of them where yeah. she's like, you know, I, I'm I'm pregnant. 
Uh, I don't. This city is really getting to me, but I don't know if if I want to stay here. And and you know, like she confides in him and and treats him like a friend, and he does the same. Like he, yeah. you know, he he's good to her in in kind. And without that, like it, without that, and because of that, everything that happens in the last you know twenty twenty five minutes of this movie yeah. is all the more horrible. Yeah. Because yeah. we saw, like, this is what this is what we want the end of the movie. As a viewer, you want these people to win. These are heroes. They're they're good people trying to stop a monster. Yeah, and and they can't. Yeah, they the can. monster wins. The, the mo- yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the monster winning, Bo. Um He essentially turns himself in. Uh, and you're right there's the one moment they get they do find because of somerset and his investigation mm -hmm. they almost catch him yeah there's uh you know we have this we have our chase our only real chase scene in this one where there's high octane action because the rest is at a detective's pace which once again i appreciate but you need that just to, to to you know breathe your movie out. This is a two hour movie, so when you yeah, but lot- th- th- when it got to Zodiac, he was like, "Yeah, we don't need that." Yeah, we don't need that at all. <laughs> People will drive, um, there will be lots of driving and montages. Um, but yeah, like so we get we get a bit of our action scene uh, in real life. Uh, Brad Pitt would fucking severely injure himself on set doing this, um, probably because everything was wet. <laughs> Just get this feeling that <laughs> right. that's why you know every surface was slippery. Um, so yeah, but ultimately John Doe hands himself, and we get that great attention to detail about his fingers, which I love. Um, uh-huh. you know, this is why they couldn't get fingerprints Detectives. from him. Yeah, he's basically he's he's cut the finger. <laughs> repeatedly by the looks of things continually cuts the finger like the skin around his fingertips off so you can never get an, a proper fingerprint from him which once again you're dealing with someone who's psychotic but also clearly uh highly intelligent um and then we get the we get the we get the obvious kind of right well he's now in custody where do we go from here bo because i mean in a movie like this the bad guys caught up cops win the case closed right. book him dano you know what I mean? We, right. we, are, we, we are happy. Everything's coming up. ACs, you know, right, he turned himself in so our detectives didn't get the catch, but there ain't going to be no more death, though. That's a good thing. Well, except that he says, hey, <laughs> there is another victim. If you want to save their life, mm-hmm. you got to throw me in a car. And and we've got to go out to the desert. Is it a victim or a body or something? I, I can't I, remember. I, the, yeah, the, the I think I, I think it's I think it's a body. And um, but yeah, I think the, that's right. Yeah, yeah. we get the old because uh, once again he hasn't done his because he's covered in blood. Yeah, when hasn't he done his seven either. Like so, you've got that yeah. in the back of your head where you're like, yeah, there's you know there's a good chance there's a good chance that and we would be negligent not to do this. Um, and, yes, and he and he says he'll he'll sign a complete confession. Mm-hmm. Uh, all he wants is for Somerset and Mills to take him out to the location of this body. Yeah. And it's not a good idea. <laughs> right. And they're like, you know what? Here's the thing. We're gonna we're gonna mic up. There's gonna be helicopters all over us. It's gonna be a whole caravan. Like there's no way that John Doe, uh, who remains John Doe, because again, he's got no fingerprints and no yep. identity. Uh, there's no way he can 
you know, use any shenanigans. We're going to be yeah, covering, he's not escaping covering from every... this. If he goes out, right. he is coming back. One way or another, he is coming back. You know, what the mean? one that... moment of sunshine in this movie. Yes, they yeah. Drive out to the desert <laughs> as we drive out to the desert, because you know, great things happen in the desert. Bo, cinema has taught us lots of great things. That when when people drive out to a remote place in the desert, only good things will happen. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> David Lynch has taught us that repeatedly. And so, uh, so have the what do you call them? Again, uh, ah, the Coen Brothers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Any any wide opens, tundras, deserts, any of that will will do just fine. It'll be it'll um, be it'll be a good day. Um, and we get a lot of back and forth in the car. We get sadly we try and get. <laughs> it's a bit painful to watch. We get Mills trying to get into the brain of Kevin Spacey who's right. just he's on a different fucking level and Somerset knows well, that and there's, so we get those interactions which are really good as well and and I'm, I meant to mention this earlier but I, it informs what you're talking about mm. there's that scene really early on in the movie where um uh Brad Pitt gets all pissed off at the the plink or the uh uniform cop that's right yeah and and Morgan Freeman is like, I'd like to know what you expected to accomplish with that, you yeah. know? And and it's that, hey, I'm the wise old experienced guy, you're the hothead. And it's partly that, but it also sets up this idea that he just fucking spouts off. And that's what he's doing in the car in this scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just he's just allowing himself to get further worked up and you know, like once again, Kevin Spacey, whether you like him or loathe him as a human being, uh, that is your call. In this movie, he is fucking incredible. He is yeah. absolutely incredible. Um, because, like, once again, he's a small guy. He's a small, slight, unassuming-looking guy. Yet we have to. It's a great kind of juxtaposition of look at the crime and look at the person that perpetrated the crime. And these things don't match up. He's not the big monster that we're expecting. He's not the supernatural guy. All these things, he's not that. He's just this very plain, unassuming guy. Yes, he's cut his fingertips off, but, you know, like, yes, he showed up covered in blood. But he's a he's a small, unassuming guy. And um, I love the kind of tete-a-tete that you get between Somerset and Doe in, in the car. But yeah. it's clear that, you know, Doe has... He has something up his sleeve. He's, he's got something planned here. And then we build to, like we said before, the scene that would have been spoiled by the internet seconds after anyone saw it. Um, and weirdly, I get the feeling, in the polarised sort of viewing culture that we live in right now, you're going to have a team I love this ending and a team I don't love this ending. And the weird thing about it coming out in 1995 is I, I'm not, aware of growing up in the 90s with anyone who dislikes this ending I think because it's a masterpiece and the the alternate ending <laughs> that sounds shitty um, yeah you know what I mean yeah, it, no it's utter garbage the ending like <laughs> it ends just right for what this movie is yeah um, it's just also one of the grimmest endings in movie history yeah so know? so <laughs> we, we, we finally we were there and <laughs> delivery guy <laughs> this poor delivery guy man so last, in- last last job of the day out in the middle of the fucking desert oh here we go someone's yeah. clearly having a prank Pranking the last good old frank was, <laughs> frank the delivery the last, driver the last gig was delivering uh a, a telegram to marty mcfly yeah. from the 1800s <laughs> and you're just like 
oh, now I got to drive out to the desert for what? I got to just <sighs> drop a box off on a road somewhere? <laughs> All right, whatever, man. Yep, as long as I get and then paid. <laughs> And a walk into a fucking police dragnet where somebody hauls you out of your car and is mm. like, fucking get out of here and run. Yeah. And, he's, and he does. And I, I, and there's that great moment of like, somebody pick him up at the end of the road. Yeah. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's, uh, but there's all the, like, there's all the, the, all the things that, I mean, are, are movie conveniences that have to be there for the ending to work that wouldn't happen in real life, but we can suspend our disbelief because the story is so well crafted uh, and that this box is you know it makes its way over and then we have you know we all the drama that's happening around about it's distracting the police office well it's distracting somerset particularly but it ain't distracting mills who is still in a a, a, a battle of of wills <laughs> And well, of the mind anyway, of which he's not very good at. Um, West John Doe, who starts to regale him a story about how he, you know, you know, he's done all these things, but he's so very lonely, bro. He is so he, lonely. Yes. He is. Uh, it turns out, Duncan, he is envy. He is envy. He is. He envied. He envied Brad Pitt's life and his paltrow wife. Um, who uh, uh, makes a cameo here, but not in any way that we can prove. Uh, and uh, he says that, you know, the blood that was on him was because he, before he went to turn himself in, he went to pay a visit to Tracy and tried to see if he could live the good life. Settled in, Bo, you know, sandwiches, tea, walks in the park, 16th century French poetry. You know, all the good things that, that couples do, I believe. Uh-huh. Um, and she's just not for it. So, you know, he leaves a bit dejected, but not without taking a souvenir. And that souvenir is in the box. Um, Her pretty little head. The way he says it is fucking incredible. Um, and then we we are on the, we are on the, what, why would he do that? That doesn't make sense until we realize that there's one sin left. And that sin is a sin of wrath which he wants Brad Pitt to enact by killing him. And then we are stuck. <laughs> John Bell's got the other hand. Um, it, that is, that's the moment, like, when... Because there's the whole build-up of Morgan Freeman. Like, you know, they're going to bring in a bomb team yeah. to check the box and stuff when he's just like, I'm going to open it. Yeah. And they're like, what the fuck? And he's like, no, no, I got it. Yeah. I don't think it's a bomb. And when he opens it up and he steps back yeah. and then immediately does that, John Doe has the upper hand. Yeah. Like, oh, it is my one of my favorite things in one of my favorite movies yeah. is, is them turning around and realizing how fucked they are. Well, yeah, yeah. Everything is everything is coming up dull. Um and so yeah, like he is like then we get Brad was in the box, I was in the box. You yeah. know, have his Ugh. character breakdown. He's fucking great in this scene. Like great in this scene, like the the, the tears, the the you know the the, the gun, the the kind of the physical motion, like the 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 the, the war of will and his his brain of do I do or do I not to uphold the law and take him in, which is what I'm supposed to do, or do I do what I want to do and what the audience wants me to do and what, let's be honest, Somerset wants me to do as well. He's just been too rational that to put a fucking bullet in this guy's head. Well, it's and what pushes him over the edge is the revelation. Yeah. That she was pregnant. Well, yes, John Doe didn't saying, know. <laughs> yeah, he oh, didn't know. Yeah, and oh god, and that's the point. And 
And uh, again, I didn't think much of Brad Pitt as an actor before I saw this movie, but this moment when he goes from abject sorrow yeah. and desperation to that resolve of I'm going to kill this motherfucker. Yeah. No matter like all the consequences be damned, yeah. I know what it means, but he has to pay for this and wavering between those two emotions. Mm. And and you kind of see it in Somerset where he's just like I this I can't stop this. Yeah. You know, this is this was fated to have as soon as as soon as we got assigned to this case. Yes. <laughs> I just went you to know? retire, guys. Yeah. I should have never and it, it it's a monumental gut punch of a scene yeah. because you understand like his life like Arlie Ermy who is their boss yeah, we're, we're, movie, we haven't even talked about Arlie Ermey Ar he's fucking amazing this, this movie, isn't even my desk yeah, <laughs> this movie is just full of great performances yeah uh, he, uh, speaking of casting he, he originally tried out for John Doe which I think he probably would have been really good he would have been great at it. yeah <laughs> it's a different um, movie but he would have been great at it right the the end i don't know how much the end changes though really like mm -hmm. i think he could have been a really good john Depp. but anyway um but yeah like there when he shows up and he's just like you know we're gonna we're gonna give him the best we can like yeah. we're gonna take care of him he's one of ours and we understand why he did it but it's just like fuck man his life is done he can yep. never be a cop again certainly yeah, he, well yeah he can't be a cop again he can't get his married. wife and <laughs> child are dead he, he can't and... get married again and never like wake up a day and not think of the life he had if if he ever has kids again that's the you know the, his life is destroyed he is destroyed he yeah. is destroyed as a character and John Doe got the ending that he wanted he got his seven yeah. sins he got them he got to go out in his own terms which is the worst um, and what then what I do today it will be studied yeah <sighs> yeah it's and <sighs> and then we get the the one the again the line I really like that the line is here though yeah because the line uh, is a but... great is a great line like, I mean, yeah. like, taking on face value, if you are that producer and you're saying, I want something that makes me feel happy at the end of this fucking movie, um, it's, you know, as a quote, it is definitely great, but I love the fact that we get... <laughs> yeah, and it's it's Morgan Freeman saying, uh, it's a, an Ernest Hemingway quote, which yeah. is, uh, uh, Ernest Hemingway wrote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I believe half that. Yeah, I agree with the second part. Uh, yeah, I agree with the second part. Which That's is perfect. Sorry. Which is perfect. And, it's worth fighting for, but he ain't a fine place. <laughs> right. It's a it's a pile of shit, but I can't I can't hang up my spurs. Like the the arc of this character is going from jaded and resigned to jaded and proactive. Yeah. And that's it. That's all the the moral arc you're gonna get. Nobody learned any lessons other than oh, no. It's, I guess you keep fighting for this and maybe you stop this from happening again, but probably not. Yeah. It's yeah. it's grim, man. The it's world turns grim. on. I think that's the thing as well. The world turns on and it, it, you know, it's a meat grinder that chews up and spits people out. Yeah. It's it's you know, it's, the, it's a bleak fucking ending. I love it so. Yeah. Um you kind of touched on this, but we should probably we should go back on it. So this is like once again, Fincher has a bit more control over here, specifically when it comes to who's going to get in to do the sim track. And this is the sort of guy you want picking sim tracks because he's come from the music video background. So I imagine in that world you get to pick and choose what projects you work on, 
when you reach a certain level. Yes, I will work with Madonna. No, I will not work with Shaggy. Uh, That's right. <laughs> just put that down. I, I say no, nay to Takashi Six Nine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we've got, we've got. I, I mean, the, the the big one here is um, closer. Nine Inch Nails off the yeah. Downward Spiral, an album which could like we could just play the entire Downward Spiral album over this because it is you know it's an album which is a conceptual album about the you know one man's self destruct self destruction to uh, suicide. So it's it's also one of my favorite albums ever fucking written. Um, so we get that on here. I want the music video itself, same sort of sepia tones in parts as the as the movie. So your anatomical parts and whatnot. But you also have you've got like Marvin Gaye on here, which it works. Trust me, it works. You get a little bit of David Bowie in here. Um, which is kind of fucking amazing. And I don't know how much of that is Reznor putting them in touch with that because Reznor and Bowie would have been touring, I think it was 96 and 97, uh, they started touring together, which, to, you know, had I been a bit older uh, and had money, uh, I would have been there. But yeah, like just, it's a great soundtrack. It's ominous. You know what I mean? It's ominous, but it's also yeah. traditional in parts. It has that kind of traditional... Like very much an Americana cop noir sort of soundtrack yeah. as well that comes in. I think it works really well as juxtaposed with industrial <laughs> industrial music. It works really well. Yeah, the music is fantastic, and and also something we didn't mention that we need to for the record for posterity <laughs> is how influential the opening credit sequence oh, of this movie God, is. Yes. Holy shit! After this movie came out, every credit sequence looked like the seven credit sequence. Yeah, it's, it's it, really, really, really clever. His plans originally were to make it look like John Doe had written them. So, and it's it's kind of that, and and it's also yeah, right. Like it's it's the assembly of just sociopathy on screen. Yes, um, <laughs> but it's got that kind of herky jerky kind of quality mm. that became just a hallmark of like nineties especially horror movies love oh, gotcha. to do that shit yeah, where yeah. it's like oh we're gonna do oh here's a handwritten seven and then a script seven and yeah. you know that kind of thing so that it anyway it's, it's really a fun really. editing trick yeah. <laughs> it's kind of neat it's probably, why it got with it. it's, the, it's probably why it got the oscar nod um yeah. you know what i mean it's because it is it's a very well put together movie cinematography is great um yeah, for for what they were working with budget wise, and knowing that Pitt got paid seven million to be in this movie, you know what I mean? Ain't a whole hell of a lot of scran for a movie like this to have yeah. what it has, and it's just executed with a level of precision that, like I say, we are going to get into. Do not expect us from this point onward to have complaints and think like things like continuity or you know messy looking shots or anything like that. Everything that this guy does is meticulous to you know to a fault, and I love that about it. I love it. Um, Anything else you want to say about this movie before I ask you the defining question of what will be uh, every episode? (laughs) So, um, anything else that we've we've maybe not touched on that you want to double down on before we 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 bring it in? you know, I, I will say watching this again, I, I think I've said this to you uh, privately. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed about watching Seven again was really appreciating how good Brad Pitt's lunkhead performance was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
uh after having watched like a assassination of jesse james recently oh, and appreciating like how yeah. how small a performance he can really give mm-hmm. uh and seeing him be go like make that that journey as an actor from being kind of the the dopey eager puppy dog of a character to absolute devastation at the end of this was like oh shit this was truly the first time i thought he could act and and watching him again knowing he can act his performance was you know really really good we get to see a few incarnations of those those uh those stretching of the the acting muscles throughout this venture filmography as well so i mean that's a really exciting thing to see him turn in the performance that he'll do in fight club and then the curious case of benjamin button i mean it's it's three completely different performances yeah yeah like there are a handful of directors who kind of understand that brad pitt if brad pitt can kind of do anything if you if you give him the right context Mm -hmm. And uh, Fincher, I think, is is truly great at that, and also appreciates the fact that he's just kind of an iconic looking guy. He really is, and I mean, he's like once again, I hate, I hate harping on about um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but he has hit that. He, he's at a certain age now that you know, and he has that he has that kind of Robert Redford look about him as well. It, yeah, he, he really, does, really does. I, I mean, if he wanted to go like Robert Redford, made a career like once he turned fifty onwards of just being Robert Redford and I pretty much think that you know Brad Pitt could do the same like there's it, there's something yeah, very comforting about him in a role now I love the fact that he's continually challenging himself like Ad Astor is one of those ones where it doesn't quite make sense to me why he's in that movie um, and why Tommy Lee Jones is in that movie but by god are both of them fucking brilliant in that movie and it's he's playing a, a very cold dispassionate character Um and it's, it's excellent. It's very, 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 very kind of 70s sci-fi. If you've not seen it yet, I keep trying to sell uh, it yeah, to anyone I mean, because no one wants to watch it. Um, Ad Astor's fucking great. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's, but it shows it shows his levels. But in the same <laughs> in the same year he's doing that, he's in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's a larger than life, you know, a stuntman who has a very simple life and very simple needs, but is loyal to a fault. I think that's just, he's, a, he's an incredible actor. Um, yeah. I, I do like that. I hope he does at least one or two of those Redford movies where it's like, we're just going to have him walk around and be cool for a little while. Maybe he's robbing a bank. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's stealing jewels. Who cares? Did you ever see Spy Game? I did, and that's not the movie I want. No, well, I was going to say, Spy Game is a movie which has both Robert Redford and Brad Pitt in it. <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. He, Robert Redford in that whole movie is doing the kind of... It's my last day as a yeah. <laughs> in the CIA kind of version of like Ocean's Eleven, mm-hmm. like it's like oh scan this fake facts and why are this money here, um and that was an easy day on set for Redford. He is phoning that in like a motherfucker bull. Yeah, uh, he did not. He did, uh, he did not, not give a shit about like, like Pitt is like you. Pitt is doing all the acting in that movie, like all the heavy lifting. Uh, and and <laughs> he, Redford was more committed for those Marvel movies where he was Oh god, yes. <laughs> he, when he was in uh was it Winter Soldier you know, or Civil War, that's what he was Yeah. In. Um <laughs> Yeah, it's <laughs> uh 
Yeah, it, but I, I want to see one of those, like, not totally phoned-in performances yeah. from Brad Pitt, but one of those where he's kind of kicking up his heels, he's having a good time, like an Ocean's Eleven, but just him. Yeah, well, I think he's got, you know? I, think, I, th- I, I think he's at that stage now as an actor as well, that he's only, I, I can't see him just picking something for money. It's going to be because it interests him. And yeah, I would love and to see him back with, yeah, I would love to see him back with Fincher again, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, yes, of course, all of that. He should work with Tarantino more. He should work with Fincher more. He should do a bunch more great prestige films. Duncan, what the fuck I want out of Brad Pitt <laughs> is I want uh, some you want him robbing trash. a bank. You want him robbing a bank. Right, we get that himself. Yeah. Right, we've got that. Someone make it happen. Someone get yes, Brad I, Pitt robbing a bank. Um, or or whatever. Like, I want something kind of grindhouse out of him that's just pure fun. And maybe what it is is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I just want more of that yeah. in my life because getting that character from, from that movie, it's just like, that's all I want him to do now. I just want him to be yeah, this character he, he, in he, other he stuff. Fed, he fed a dog for five minutes and I couldn't take my eyes off the fucking screen. It's, it was nuts. It's <laughs> the best. That scene is so fucking good. And I can't tell you why. And that's what, like, I've studied that scene. I'm like, I don't know. Is it just because he's, like, so charismatic? Is it the fact that we've all had that experience of feeding a pet that's yeah. wanting to be fed? Like, I turn I that know. scene over and over in my head trying to figure out why it is so entirely captivating. It's, 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 it's Tarantino. It, yeah, lo- it's, love him or loathe him, the guy crafts cinema pretty much better than any director on the planet. Yes, he can be a yeah, bit of a hack, but he's... Like, he's the guy who loves cinema who does cinema, you know what I mean? As opposed to the guy who loves cinema and tries to do do cinema, but it doesn't work. Right. But that's, you know, that's the De Palma argument, too. Like, De Palma's a hack because he rips off Hitchcock, and Tarantino is a hack because he he rips off everybody. Yeah, but, like, there's there's a big (laughs) drop-off. Like, in De Palma's Well, no, but I'm saying... I I know what you mean. I do know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I I just, you know, like, uh, Fincher... You know, this movie is a, and maybe this is more of a, a, a script thing, even though the script is brilliant. Mm-hmm. I, I think we both said that, but um, that, you know, at heart, this is just kind of a, a, a pulpy kind of noir story. Oh, yes. But just elevated because of the performances and script and yeah, adventure but but and everything. But, isn't, that, isn't that what you, but isn't that the... Isn't I mean that's the, that's the thing about our genre. I think that's the that's the thing that frustrates me when people try and push out with the horror genre, as if because it's elevated, it doesn't need to be there. And I think we've kind of got past that. Oh argument. right, right, right. To an yeah, extent, yeah, yeah. well, we have and we haven't. There's a whole lot of people that will tell you movies like Hereditary and The Witch and The Lighthouse are not horror movies, and those people are fucking wrong. But <laughs> yeah, um, that's, that's I mean, a dumb argument. There. Yeah, like said, though, because it's. Quoted, and we have to add tags like elevated horror and all the rest of them as a way to try like no like at its baseline what this movie does and does very very well is it takes like genres of, like noir was never like a like an a-list thing as well i love how we try and recontextualize that as well you know like it wasn't the, like people were going to see them because they were entertaining as shit but they weren't exactly yeah. the the the, the top tier level of what cinema was producing at the time and that's what Seven, like, Seven knows of that to an extent. But I think it's like you say, it's all the elements. It's the, the, the time, care, attention, script, cinematography, David fucking Fincher and great casting that make the movie. But it's the love of the craft. It's the love of making this movie and the, the uncompromising nature of it 
from a director who knows what he wants. To, he knows the movie he wants to see on the screen. And guess what? That movie that you saw on the screen was a movie that he had playing in his head. And guess what? Yeah. There, there, there is an audience for that. <laughs> Turns out quite it's, a big one. <laughs> it's damn near perfect yeah. as a movie. It's yeah. it, it's really it's one of those movies that's that's very tough to sort of poke holes in it, it's it's it operates <laughs> like the biggest complaint i have with the movie is that like kevin spacey has proven to be kind of a despicable character and it bums me out that i have to think about that for a minute yeah. when i'm watching this movie and then i get over it, i'm like yeah yeah that sucks but and, and rightfully he should not be working when he's blah 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 mm. but but fuck he's good in this he's really good in this yeah and i, I think that's what that's what you have to double down on um bo ransdell bo yes. ransdell we have an interesting journey ahead of us but uh before uh-huh. before we, we we talk about what movie we'll be covering next month um i need to ask you the question i think it's an obvious answer but i yes. need to ask it anyway as it stands just now two movies in to the david fincher catalog of movies what is the best movie of his catalog you've seen is it alien uh, 3 from the previous episode uh, uh-huh. or, or are you upgrading to some seven uh all right um two films that are one film leaves it is i mean clearly seven like alien three is interesting and and you see glimpses of of what fincher can do and then seven is fincher doing it (laughs) so yeah it's like yeah this movie is is amazing and the thing is i suspect it's gonna sit at the top of my list for a little while on Mm. this show because i really do love seven a whole lot yeah um but I'm also curious about uh, about the time ahead. What about what about you? Where, yeah, where I mean, you with this? It's, yeah, it's, it's right in there, right into number one comfortably. Um, and yeah, the next movie we're going to discuss is the movie that I said uh, right at the very start is a movie that I'm keen to revisit because I I think it is a fine movie for what it is, but I'm not a fan, and that is the game. So we will be turning yeah. our attention. Couple of years later, two years later, he returns with another thriller. Uh, once again, huge names in the cast, uh, lead performances by Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. Uh, but yeah, we're we're gonna <laughs> we are going to uh, we're gonna swing for the game and see see how it holds. I, I genuinely have not seen that movie since it came out, so it would have been '99, I think I saw it because. I just I, I could I, I think I was just old enough that I could start renting movies um, without the need for ID uh, you know like get my own card um, so yeah it's been it's been you know a long time a long time since I sat over 20 years since I watched it and I don't know how much of it is that I'm not a big fan of Michael Douglas you know what I mean? Like he did a lot of yeah, movies. In the, he just did that th- thing in the nineties where he was just like a sleazy man having sex with people who tried to kill him in movies. So like, <laughs> it's like every Michael Douglas movie. He was. That was a my. That was the genre of movies. Michael Douglas trying to trying to dodge getting murdered. Yeah, by I, someone that he's fucking. I, I don't. But it was that whole thing that came out of that, and then he married Catherine Zeta Jones, and then they went all like in depth about their sex and stuff like that. And I was just like, when did he become a? A dirty old man. I don't know. <laughs> hey, like father, like son, man. Kirk Douglas did the same shit. Yeah, it's weird. Like when, oh. when he did, uh, what was it, Saturn 9 with mm. Farrah Fawcett, mm-hmm. he was famously creepy on the set of that movie. <laughs> well, we get to talk about a, a, a guy uh, who is still working. Uh, so uh, Michael Douglas still out there doing movies. Um, and we get to talk about Fincher's 
taste of the big time. So he's made his he's made his movie that was compromised. He's made his movie, which is the first movie that you know Fincher gets final say over. But now there's a budget coming in with this next one, um, and we will see if that helps or hinders the movie that we get. So and there. now, Duncan, it is time to play the game. <laughs> Uh, Bo, you do a lot of really interesting things, some involving me, Thank less you. interesting. Uh, but, you know, uh, well, you're interesting. I'm, I'm oh. there. Present, I'm present. I mean, <laughs> Well, you have a funny accent and people like that. <laughs> so that's how you hook them in. <laughs> hook them in. Yeah. So a prize at the end of every episode to see is if he... anyone understood 60% of what I said. Or is, is he talking to some kind of alien? <laughs> <laughs> I love this concept show. Um, let the people out there know where they can check out the stuff that you're doing. Uh, first of all, you mentioned already Duncan about come correct. Uh, you could you can find that on your podcast catcher of choice as well as legionpodcasts.com. Uh, um, yeah, so in addition to that, I was going to say we're doing slasher, which is what would happen if Seven was put in a in a washing machine and then pushed off a cliff and then came out and asked to write a script. Right, with a bad accent. It's. <laughs> It's it's utter nonsense. I'm having a, a good time with it, but the problem I have with it is the one I describe on the show where about about six and a half minutes after I watch an episode of Slasher, it's I can't gone. remember what it's happened gone. in that it's, episode it's, of Slasher. It's, it's totally gone. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, uh, I'll be damned if, like, you know, the haunting of Grady Farm hasn't <laughs> stuck with me a little more than an episode of Slasher. Um, but, uh, yeah, but that's a lot of fun. It's a, a great... The show is a blast. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily slasher, but the show we do, I think, is a, a really good time. Um, and then uh, there's also Pick 6 Movies, which, as of this recording, just dropped an episode uh, beginning our season 15, which is called A Flop is Born, where we <laughs> are looking at six movies in which uh, somebody had the dumb idea to try to shove a singer into a movie. Um, we started with a film called Stay Away Joe, uh, which stars an Elvis Presley, which you may have heard of. Uh, he plays a Native American named Joe Lightcloud, and that's just where the problems start. Uh, it's a it's a fascinating movie and a really fun conversation. Um, there is also over on LegionPodcast.com uh, a couple of new shows if you if you haven't checked uh, over there in a while. Uh, there's one called The Dread Familiar, which is uh, kind of a spooky story podcast in the in the vein of a no sleep um but uh it is uh it is quite good and they are on the fourth episode just dropped today uh over on legion podcast and uh also uh a a show called the mystery vault podcast i would highlight which is uh our pal rj just kind of taking a look at the world's mysteries like the first one he did was roswell Um, uh nice and it's and it's just like hey here are the facts here's what is the most likely uh, outcome so like are, are the most likely uh explanation or story or whatever so uh the one on roswell is a lot of fun and and it's interesting because it's kind of bite size and not like here's four hours about all the ins and outs it's just like hey, here's enough of the bullshit here's mm-hmm. the basic facts you need to know here's probably what happened and uh and i love shit like that i'm yeah you know how i love big feet as a <laughs> as, as a species <laughs> I do, Bo. I do, and, <laughs> and so I'm pressuring him to do that. Yeah. I'm like, I want, I need, I need some big feats in my life. 
Um, so yeah, uh, th that and and if you check out any of the video channel, like we're on YouTube and Facebook and Twitch.tv, all at Legion Podcasts. Um, we're doing uh, some different shows over there. Uh, uh, tomorrow we record the next list of legends in which we assemble a panel of horror experts uh, to once and for all to finally answer questions like, hey, what are the top 20, uh, you know, whatever horror movies. So tomorrow we're doing the top 20 gateway horror movies. Like, what are the top 20 movies to, to get you into horror? And we assembled this list so that when other people, much less smart than us, say, hey, uh, what are the best movies um, to get friends of mine into horror well you don't have to think about it you just go to the list there's the top 20 right there yeah um, i need to get involved with one of those i, I missed the the cutoff date for this one but i i will be to speak to me about appearing on a future one okay like a I'll, I'll let you know. i have when opinions we, bo you may have heard of them uh, <laughs> when we do the one for march uh i've been trying to cycle in you know different for different uh hosts each week hmm. um and we'll get some overlap eventually but right now it, it the only recurring character is me unfortunately um, <laughs> well, if you're the, the, you need to be there well uh, yeah like i run the thing yeah. like i have to make all the technical stuff happen, ain't no so bull, you, ain't no show that's what the, they say Goddamn right <laughs> uh this is the moneymaker people uh but yeah so check out that stuff it's a lot of fun uh and and if you're on our patreon speaking of video shows uh we do one over there uh called uh the ouija experiment experiment <laughs> in which uh myself and a, a rotating chair discuss um movies with Ouija in the title i'm just gonna say don't bother calling me for that one <laughs> no i look i i know i know better than that um but we've we've only done one of those so far uh the second one uh will will drop next month uh the first one was on the original Ouija experiment what what started this dumb idea and then we'll do Ouija experiment two which i have not seen it in its entirety because I watched about the first 10 minutes and I was like, I can't. Yeah. You, uh, you, but you, now you, I'm. When you, when you mentioned this before, I pulled a Somerset and was like, you know, I'm three days to retirement. Here's my files, Bo. Yeah. Right here. <laughs> yeah. No, I look, I understand. Like the list of legends, I understand you're down for. Like this is, a, I genuinely surprised when I mentioned to people, like, hey, here's what I'm thinking of doing for our Patreon uh, th uh, page. Uh, you know, because you want to thank the people supporting the, the the network and all that stuff, mm -hmm. and and do something special. And uh, so when I, I proposed the idea, a bunch of the other hosts were like, "That sounds great," and I'm like, "Really?" Because <laughs> like it's my idea, and I think it's kind of bad. Um, <laughs> but but the good news is there's no shortage of these movies, and mm -hmm. I've had a couple like Richard uh, Glenn Schmidt, uh, who you and I him. are. Yeah. we're both fans of he will be joining me for a film entitled Ouija Shark <laughs> so you know you get the idea of what we're dealing with here <laughs> oh, no. so and I have a lab background and a little coat with pins it's very we we approach each of these with science we try to wrap science around these movies oh dear <laughs> it's it's a good time I have to say if you're not uh if you're not on the the legion patreon uh more stupid shit like that is forthcoming so <laughs> prepare your and maybe that's not selling it maybe that's a like people are I like you know, know what and, and the 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 world that we live in just now with everything that's happening i think everyone should make a little bit of time for some goofy shit i i tend to agree it is what i i build my life around so that anyway that's super long-winded and a long list of shit but it's uh, all that stuff i do nice thank you very much right 
We are going to bring this in, ladies and gents. We'll be back in one month's time as we continue our look through the Fincher catalogue, looking at 1997's The Game. But until then, take care of yourselves out there, and until the next time, bye. <laughs>